For a change, me Tony. Yes, this is a bit of guerrilla podcasting. We are in the pub and we are celebrating Paul's birthday. Hooray! Happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Yes, yes we thought... I'm now the oldest one of us. So. Yes, you are indeed. The yes, elder yeah. statesman. Yes. For podcast. <laughs> so what we thought we'd do, we'd just uh, rattle through the news uh, this week because uh, Tony... Because um, this week we are doing The Planet Viewed. Uh, which Tony hasn't watched. No, no, he's never going to watch. No, well. never. <laughs> so what we thought we'd do, we'd uh, get Tony involved at least in the news this week. Yes, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. And then uh, me and Paul will do the uh, retrospective later on. Well, we've sobered up. Yes, indeed, because we've been here. This is now uh, nine o'clock in the evening. We've been, I've been in here since I've been in here since four o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm quite drunk actually. Shortly afterwards. Yeah. Um, you two are as well, I assume. Yes, recently. Yeah. I must say, this Lambeth Port is absolutely beautiful. Wonderful beer. Isn't it? You know, this sounds rather professional, actually. I'm not pissed as a fart, but it sounds rather professional. <laughs> if you can find, <laughs> honestly, if you can find Lambeth Port out there, it's absolutely wonderful. Yes, we, we oh. did hope to record a little bit earlier, but uh, there was a jazz band on who finished about half an hour ago. Uh, you might get some music sort of blare up in a minute from the speakers quite near to us, so who knows. Dixieland Jazz it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Dixieland, yeah. very good actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very good, yes. Right. I thought I was on a, a river boat in Mississippi for a moment there, playing the, the crack tables. Oh yes. Terrible tables. So anyway, that's... You just knew that. No, <laughs> don't do it, don't do it. Right, okay. Should we do a bit of news? Yeah, please do. Well, well there's not a lot. There's not a lot of news, as you can well imagine. Um, so let's do a bit of DVD news then, shall we? Okay, so this week there's been a few announcements uh, about three uh, sort of incoming DVD releases. We have incoming. Yeah, we have incoming, duck everyone. First up, we have the Crotons, a patch of trout. Very nice with soup, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> you didn't wait long enough, did you? No. Shit. It was okay. the following episode after Invasion, wasn't it? He is indeed, yes. Yes, which you've done a commentary on, so. Oh, yes. By George, yes, I have indeed. Yes. So, now, actually, this is quite interesting. The release of the Crotons DVD has been bought forward from the 9th of July to the 2nd of July. I don't know why. I have no idea. I'm watching, a, I'm watching, looking at a mobile version of the news here on my iPhone, so um, I'm probably missing some sort of information here. But the special features apparently uh, include a commentary by Philip Maddock. Uh, Who yes. died recently. Yes, he did indeed, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Gilbert Wynn. What a fantastic name. Gilbert. Is that Wynn? Wynn. Oh, Wynn. W-Y. Oh, Chinese. Double N-E. Oh, right. No, not, not Wynn. <laughs> no. And uh, Richard Ierson. I think I'm pronouncing that. Pronouncing, oh. pronouncing that right? See, si, see. Si. Yes. So, um, also that you have a documentary, yep. which is uh, entitled Second Time Around, which is a retrospective on the Trailton era, Ooh. which might be quite right. interesting actually. Yes. Uh, which features contributions from 
Annika Wills, Deborah Watling, Wendy Pabry, Fraser Hines, Derek Sherwin, Terence Dix, Victor Pemberton, Christopher Barry, Robert Sherman, and Gary Russell. I recognise half of those names. I dare say the other half. You, oh, yeah, of course. Yes, we, yes, we. <laughs> they, are, they are familiar amongst uh, who Dom. Oh, I can't think of a better way to describe it, really. Oh. Then you also got a... Um, Dominic Who. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes Dominic Who. <laughs> he knows them all. We've also got something called Doctor Who Stories uh, with Fraser Hines, which is uh, part one of an in-depth interview with Fraser Hines, Ooh. which would probably be quite interesting, actually. So I'm quite yes. looking forward to that. Um, another one in the, the Doctor's Strange Love. I don't quite get where they're going with these. There's been a number of DVD releases. It's almost an alien pee. <laughs> Tony's now eating a wasabi nut. <laughs> it's almost an alien pee. <laughs> it's, it's is is, is it relevant? <laughs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> anyway, carry, carry on. Tony's picked up a wasabi... Uh, well, it's not a pea, is it? It's a wasabi nut. peanut. Yeah. No. That look, that's got two little black eyes on it. It looks like the uh, Roswell alien. <laughs> Nearly did. Nearly did. Yeah. Okay. Right. Oh. right, the second DVD release then. Oh, yeah. It's the greatest show in the galaxy, which is just a Sylvester McCoy. Do you know that one, Tom? I know Sylvester McCoy. McCoy. It's, um, what's he done? It's called The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. No, I don't know that one. You don't know that one? No. Okay. Well, it's set in some sort of uh, intergalactic circus. No. Which, I, actually, I remember watching and, and quite enjoyed, to be honest. I, I, I don't know what because in the last time I watched it was the recordings you did for me off UK Gold those years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I remember vaguely bits of it, but I'm, yeah, I can't say I've watched no, it recently. Well, that is uh, released in the UK on the 30th of July. And the special oh. features on that is a commentary featuring uh, Sophie Aldred, uh, did Jessica Jessica. Did he wear Martin. very large clothing during that episode? Was that thing you say? What? I'm sure he wore very large clothing. Who, me? No, 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 he did. What? I was a best Clown's boy. pocket? No, no, very big top. Was, was it sleeve? A very big top. Oh, God. <laughs> Carry on. So I think you're for a clown's pocket there, Tom. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. Sorry, sorry, everybody. <laughs> now you know why, folks. We don't have him on every week. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, as I was saying, it features a commentary yes. with Sophie Aldred, Jessica Martin. Now, Tom, you must know who Jessica Martin is. She sounds like a stunner, they're telling me, isn't she? Oh. Stop thinking about sex just for one moment. Jessica Martin, I'm going to say Saturday Night Entertainment on ITV, or LWT as it was then known as. Featuring Bobby Davro. Those bloody awful impression shows he was in. With Dustin G and all that lot. Oh, that. Les Dennis. Well, Russ Hammer's Matt. Russ Hammer's Matt. Well, no, not that, but no, one of those sort of things. Um, oh, it's, like, it's like the... Was it, was I don't know, what the bloody... Laughing, was it? wasn't it? It was um, Dustin G and... Um... No, that was that was Dustin G. Oh, oh, Bobby Davro. Oh, damn. <laughs> no, See, I don't know. I confused him now by mentioning Dustin That's G. It. What's it called, then? I was hoping you'd tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. Who started it? That was a pointless anecdote, wasn't it? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Well, I hope that's made it clear to everybody. <laughs> yes. At home. Okay. Um, okay. Also, uh, also fish on this commentary, apart from Jessica Martin, who 
used to impressions, but now we can't remember what program it was. Is it Bobby Davro? <laughs> Might have been Bobby Davro. Oh. Yeah, it's an impression of Bobby Davro. There you go. Um, also, Christopher Gard, um, Stephen White, who was the writer of that particular episode. Christopher Gard, I've heard of him. And Andrew Cartmill, who was the script editor, yeah. and Mark Ayres, who was the composer, moderated by Toby Haydoke, who seems to be as normal, really. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, also, there's a little... Um, as in, they're a bit worried about the others talking, so they brought in Toby Haydoke. Indeed, they did. <laughs> just in case Jessica Martin did a Madonna impression again. So, so there's also a little feature called The Show Must Go On, which is about the uh, production of the story, uh, deleted and extended scenes... Uh, music demos from Remembrance of the Daleks by Mark Ayres. Why they just didn't put that in a re-release of Remembrance of the Daleks? So I they obviously know. didn't have access to Mark Ayres until now. No, he's actually, no he, Mark Ayres is quite well involved in all of these uh, these releases. Is so that I'm, Tony Ayres band by any chance? What? Give me a second series. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, also featuring there is a sketch from Victoria Wood as seen on TV. Um, originally released as part of the Curse of Fatal Death VHS. And I can't remember what the hell that was. I do recall watching something of Victoria Wood taking the mic out of Doctor Who, but no idea. No idea. Okay. And the final DVD release is Planet of the Giants, which is a William Hartnell. Ah. Story. Yeah, big release, big release. Well, it's a big release. originally yeah. going to be the first ever episode, wasn't it? What, Planet of the Giants? Yeah. Well, very high rating. Wasn't there an idea that that would be the, maybe the first episode, which was why um, it rings a bell. They but had I... to rewrite, or also had to rewrite bits of um, Unearthly Child, because... Originally, I mean, it wasn't the first to be filmed, but originally, mm. when the scripts were brought in, yeah, that was going to be the first episode filmed, and then it just got kicked back to. I think it was like the end of the series or start on <coughs> a second series. Wasn't well, it? The, I honestly can't remember, but you might, you might have something in that because I know that um, Susan Foreman is still a character in that story. So maybe, yeah. maybe you're right. Well, a funny maybe feeling, right. but then it was just because of production. It was going to actually be a lot to try and it's going to take a lot to actually produce it and to yeah. effects and whatever so yeah. they decided to start with something that they could do quite easily not quite easily but reasonably easily using set techniques and whatever which then was why Unearthly Child got picked as the opening episode personally I forgot what the two of you are talking about but um, I agree yeah. well actually yeah. reading, uh, reading the little notes here it says originally it was a four part story um, but uh, Verity Lambert, who was, who was the producer at the time, decided the storyline was too drawn out, so it's re-edited uh, the final two episodes into one. So there you go. Um, but for this DVD release, the final two episodes have been recreated based on the original script, so it's an animated one. Animated. You're not so, your animated one. Oh, jeez, so, so someone's uh, recorded it, sort of thing, and the audio is still exists and that's okay. Well, on. no. No, no. Well, in addition to that, it's a newly recorded dialogue. Ooh. Right. So I, I'm um, imagining that R William Russell has been called back in and maybe yeah, so uh, Carol, Caroline Ford. young sounding to an old sounding. Old sounding. Oh. Pretty much like the um, From Russia With Love PlayStation 2 game that came out. They brought back Sean Connery uh, to, to voice the game 
but he sounded like an 80 year old Sean Connery with a, like a, a 30 year old Sean Connery on, on the screen it didn't it wasn't right it really wasn't right so um, also um, on that DVD you've got another a feature called Rediscovering the Urge to Live which is a feature on the recreation of episodes 3 and 4 including contributions from William Russell Carol Ann Ford as we just said um, John Wheelaw I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right Toby Haydoke and Ian Levine, who was the reconstruction director. So he rings a bell. William Hartnell looking twice for yes whenever he was supposed yes. to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's, that's about it for, um, for that particular um, side of the news. Um, but as usual, has been quite common this year, really, hasn't it? Sort of sad news now. Um, Peter Ragg, who was a visual effects designer... Um, on visitation through to Mind Warp, um, has sadly passed away at the age of 65. Yes, oh, so sad. And that is quite a young age. They're very young, isn't it? Yeah, very really young. young. <laughs> and, and from my personal point of view, of it being my birthday, it's getting younger by the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Only 23 years away. Thank you. Yes. Oh, that's quite shocking, really, isn't it? Yeah. Six, actually, 65 is no age. That is no age. That is very, very sad. Would have even got his pension? Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, no, no. In this country, anyway. Um, now, apart from working on Doctor Who, he's worked on, he did work, I should say, on quite a few other cult uh, TV shows. Um, namely Red Dwarf, who I believe he worked on from series one through to seven, I believe. Oh, yeah, um, right. so I'm quite sure someone could uh, correct me on that. Look at my written notes um, early on. Yes, that's, that's right, he did. Yes, he did, okay. Yeah. Uh, on the back of that Chris Pappett, Tony, you're in luck, <laughs> But also, um, particular childhood favourites of mine, Thunderbirds, Joe 90, UFO and Captain Scarlet. So he's heavily involved in the Jerry Anderson side of things there. Absolutely, yeah. I'm so sorry, which I, I personally think have yet to be surpassed in any TV show. Yeah. I really do, I think. Will you stop fondling those nuts? <laughs> Sorry, Tony's eating. Stop eating. Stop it. I'm looking for the alien nut. Stop it. <laughs> I'm looking for the alien nut. When you're discussing this bloke's life career, <laughs> and you're, all you're interested in is some, <laughs> some bleeding nuts. Phrases you never expect to hear in a podcast. I'm looking for the alien, alien nuts. nuts. <laughs> I somewhere. Don't care. <laughs> that one. That one looks like a bloody, bloody, bloody thing. It's very spotty. <laughs> it's very spotty. That one's got. That one's got two eyes. Look, it's got a long nose there. And that one looks like a little Easter egg thing. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the little thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yes. He's looking to surprise. Kinder, you boy, shaky. I don't want any editing of this as well. <laughs> this, is, this stays <laughs> no, in. this is staying in. Me <laughs> 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 scribble now. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Determined yeah, so anyway, you, you just pissed over the memory of Peter Ragg there, didn't you? Oh, with yes. your, your, hunt, your hunt for Thank alien nuts. To the family of Peter Ragg, I want to apologise for it So you bloody sure, should as well. I'm sure they'll understand. Yourself, I'm sure they'll understand. Absolutely ashamed of yourself. Well, that's pretty much it for the news this week. Apart from a um, little thing about... And, and it's not a spoiler because it's in the, the latest Doctor Who magazine, actually. So it's it's there in the, in the public domain uh, about the the first episode of the next series, which is all Daleks. 
Um, as we know, um, it, well, as we knew, I should say, it featured every single Dalek ever created throughout the uh, history of Doctor Who. But now it's also been confirmed that the special weapons Dalek. Uh, do you remember that one, Tom? Yes. It was green you? and had two little black eyes. That's what yeah. Tom wants to know. Did it look like a wasabi nut? Was it? Was it um, the last um, thing we watched last month? Where? No, no, no. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. It's a, it's a McCoy story. Oh well, in that case, I haven't seen it. Oh dear! Oh dear! <laughs> no, it is. Um, how can I say? It's revered by fans, the special weapons Dalek, because it was a one-off, um, and it was completely like anything you've ever seen before, Dalek-wise. What did they actually call it the, the abomination? Or something along those lines in, in the story. They, they sort of... It was... Because it wasn't the same as the rest of them. It was some, some sort of like sort of psychopathic Dalek. Even more psychopathic than the normal Dalek, I should say. But isn't that supposed to be part of the point of the new Daleks? Is the fact that they, they can change their weapons. And that's why they've got the little hump on their back, is because that's where they well, it's meant to be. Them. It's meant to be an extra weapon or something, yeah. isn't it? Um, but also, um, Stephen Moffat has also reiterated that the Teletubby Daleks, or Power Ranger Daleks, whatever you call them, are like an officer class. And we haven't seen the last of the RTD Daleks. They are still very much part of the, uh, part of the show. You don't know, do you, Tom? No, so many Daleks. No, you certainly don't know anything. So no. Yeah, so which I think is quite interesting. And I'm beginning to wonder if it's actually sort of just put there to satisfy <laughs> the angry the fans, the backlash. Yeah, exactly. So we thought the Paradin Daleks, we've got Paradigm, we're going to say, is the uh, they're, they're, they're the way forward. But no. maybe not. P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, Tony can spell. I can. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I think that's quite interesting. I think that's quite interesting, yeah. and I'm, I'm sort of glad. I didn't want to see the back of the RTD Daleks because I, I think they are—they just look fantastic. To be yeah. honest, I think they're a fantastic design. Really improved on the original ones, Absolutely. really. You've got no idea what we're talking about. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then. If I did, there wouldn't be any point this about and some of the people seen sitting here, that could be quite possible, actually. Because <laughs> we're, we're in a real old pub, aren't we? Let's have jazz on all afternoon. <laughs> and most of the evening, for that matter. So, um, I think that's it then, really, isn't it? So, Tone, Tone will say goodbye now. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Yes, so me and Paul return with our little retrospective of Planet of the Ood. So, for the time being, that was the news. Okay, right, well, uh, we're back to normal now. We're not in the pub any longer. Um, as shame. Shame, shame, yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, this is actually the next day now, isn't it? So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have uh, been a good idea to have carried on with that last night. I, I was I was quite drunk actually. Ah, uh, you couldn't tell. Ah, uh, it just just sounds my normal self then, really, doesn't it? Yes. You sound I'm pissed all the time then. Yeah, really. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'll drink to that. Right, okay. Well, we're going to talk about um, Planet of the Ood today. Uh, it's a shame 
sort of tone couldn't be around for this as well. Um, but there you go. It's not his thing, as he ably demonstrated during the news sections. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, now, I, I don't quite know where to start with this one, if I'm perfectly honest. All right. All right. Well, start with, did you like it? Um, it's okay. It's, um, how can I put it? It's not a bad episode. No. But then again, it's not one I would sort of, I'll, if it was on the telly, I would sort of say, yeah, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. I don't know why. It just seems yeah. a bit of a, it's just a bit, a bit of a, I don't know, a weak story to me. I don't know, actually. I, I, I don't mind. I quite liked it, actually. Mm. Other than the fact that all the villains are a bit over the top. Uh, yeah, without showing their character, I don't. Yeah. I don't think acted over the top, but just they actually written over the top. Um, well, I, th- I think the only one for me was I, I thought was really over the top was the uh, head, like the head of the, all the guards, Commander yeah. Commander Kess. Um, that the bit when he was chasing, yes, uh, that, that that's David Tennant the bit with that that sticks in my mind. Yeah, it was. It, it was just that weird Sid James noise he made. When he when he started when he started when he started moving the crane and, and he sort of leaned forward in the chairs went like that but what the <laughs> bloody hell are you doing? Who <laughs> you see is that that shotgun cocking itself <laughs> like it going up the jungle? <laughs> but but it, it was just but then he was just sort of like you know just sort of shouting and 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 I thought and that that actually that whole scene was pretty pointless. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was almost done as in, oh look, we can do we can do this. Someone's come up with that idea, and actually, that just seemed to be the first episode they could put it into. You almost felt that that scene had been written, regard not for the that episode in particular. Yeah, we got have just... a, yeah we got to have a scene where the Doctor's being chased by a crane. Yeah, yeah. The idea had obviously appeared somewhere to somebody, and it was just you know, oh wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a good scene to have in a in an episode. Yeah, this was this seemed to be the episode you could put it in rather than what I, I was. What I was, I was yeah, that's it. What I was looking up um, about the writer of this one, Keith Temple, and it's the only Doctor Who stories he's written uh, for the show. I think he's done some comic stuff, but not not anything for the TV before. Um, and apparently, his early drafts, according to Wikipedia, it said his early drafts were too dark and too old Doctor Who. Right. Now I haven't listened to the commentary, but apparently he says he himself says that it was a six-part serial uh, done in forty-five minutes, which seems to me that there was a hell of a lot, a lot more going on with this. Because it, if you think about it, it is actually quite um, a serious story about slavery. Yeah, but it was sort of pretty much done as you, as you said, it's a six six-part serial in forty-five minutes. It was probably could have done with being a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you could see it as an old series. You could actually see it as an old series episode with John Pertwee getting very. Oh yes, with that yes, with that shadow. I rate of the fact that this is being done to these poor yeah people. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting concept, and but I just didn't think it was that it was that good. As I said, maybe it just need, it needed to be maybe not told in six you know six parts, but uh, maybe a two part story might have. Might have sufficed, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, actually, actually, you could have cut out some of the... The problem they've got is, to have actually done it, you needed to do it 
without you didn't need the action shots, i.e. that crane chase and whatever. No. And if they could have gone on to the more of the used that time to have explored the the slavery concepts and all that, it may have made it a better story. Yeah. Because it didn't need to be an action story, action episode, but I suspect nowadays they have to have something of that nature in them. Well, it was it was directed by Graham Harper, so yeah. and, and most of the stuff he does has got a lot of action, and, yeah. and you, you you can always sort of bet your bottom dollar at a certain point in a story directed by Graham Harper, someone's going to be firing a gun. Yes. <laughs> so well, I've got I've got no no problem. I like Graham Harper as a director, but I don't think this is one of his better efforts. You've got to say that there's, there's there's perhaps a case of the right was he was he the right man for the right job? Yeah, it's even some of the if you're going to have action scenes, he's probably one of the best directors to have. Yeah, but, but that was but, one that needed action scenes. So. Yeah, but it was it wasn't that so much. It, it was just some of the actual themes themes scenes um, seemed a little bit listless in this one. It, um, give you an example: the bit where the you got all the uh, people looking at the ouds in that sort of like in the showroom for want of a better description. Yeah, and they all turn, get turned like red eye, and everybody panics, and the ouds start attacking all. It was the reps that was it's all the sales reps. Yeah. So they, they start attacking all the, the reps and everything. And at this one point, there's this scene of this this um, this woman. Uh, basically, she's sort of looking around and basically just walks straight into into an oud with its ball, and it yeah. it, it looks so. Lazy. There was no look of panic on it, but it was sort of like, "Oh well, where shall I put my drink down?" That was the look on her face. Yeah, it, it just sort of really, it just didn't look. I don't know. That's probably how we'd have reacted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I put my drink. <laughs> exactly. no, I need to finish this drink before I run. That's probably more for a more more apt for us. But no, it, it just it just. Is, looked... is there a bottle I can take with me? <laughs> <laughs> that was it. We were just pouring, pouring all the leftovers into a big glass, weren't we? <laughs> Oh, no one'll ever know. No, it, it just it just looked really, really, you know, sort of not that well directed, which is quite surprising for Graham Harper. Yeah, and even the battle on the outside at the end, it looked a little bit, you know, just a lot of extras running around with not really being told what to do. Yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah, it just, but it just didn't need to be that. It could have been as a more serious story, and whether it probably would have been better to have been. A darker story, but then you've got a question. You've got to remember what sort of audience there and it's also, aimed at, and the time it's going out as well. Yeah, you know that that's the uh, that's the other thing to take consideration. It's it's like the the bit at the end where um, now I'll never pronounce his name right. Um, Tim McKerney is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I never never have been sure but, to pronounce yeah. his name. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tim McKerney. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like that bit at the end where he turns into an ood. Yeah. Now, apparently they had to tone that down. And even so, actually, when you think about of, of timing, it's quite a... It's still quite a... So when he sort of peels back the you know, yeah. his scalp to reveal an ood underneath. Yeah. Completely bloody ridiculous. Yeah. And it's probably one of the things I didn't I didn't like overall. It, it was that bit. I thought, what? why? Why is this happening? I know they sort of tried to explain it, but it was just ridiculous. Yeah, but it wouldn't happen that quickly. Well, you've been the taking this trans- stuff. For, well, you've been taking that stuff. Yeah, for yeah, about no, I know. Five then, years, isn't it, the or something? Final but... transformation wouldn't happen that quickly. No, that's right. Well, they said it happened because he was in. The, he was in the vicinity of the the big brain. Yeah, 
But that's yeah. I I just thought it was a bit it was a bit daft. Yeah, that and the fact also the other the other thing was on this was the uh, the fact that you get the um, the doctor bloke was uh, to turn down the field. Yeah. Well, he only did that after they started, after there'd been attacks, hadn't he? Because he hadn't, obviously hadn't been into that area. No, he hadn't. Was fifteen. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he had no idea where it was. or he had to get in there. Yeah. Well, he knew where it was. We didn't have to get he in actually there. Actually, see him going, saying, "I'm going to go and check," which we presume is when he turns it down. Yeah. But the only reason they're in there is because you'd have started to attack people. Yeah. I... Again, that didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. So it didn't, doesn't ex- it doesn't explain why after two hundred years it suddenly starts. Yeah, see it. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, very. That's uh... been the opening scene that he's taken to the to that warehouse to check to show him the equipment when he first arrives. Mm. Then that would have made perfect sense that he could have turned it down. Then, then the attack started happening. Yeah, that's it. But it was all turned down. Oh, oh, exactly. Yeah, it just didn't. By the time he gets to the controls. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. And for someone who's supposed to be a friend of the Ood, he was sort of in charge of their conversion. Well, I suppose I suppose he was waiting his time. It was a question of he had to do it to wait till he could get into the position to. But you, you usually find though in in situations Cause, cause like that, says... you, you you try if you're trying to save and, and stop that practice, you don't actually carry out that practice yourself for ten years before. Well, you actually get, don't get, know whether he has been or not, or whether he's only just arrived because he actually introduces himself, doesn't he? He does. He says, but... I'm I'm so and so, as if he's new as well. So whether he's only just finally got to a level where he's actually dealing with the Udim on that planet, he may have been just dealing with the wherever off world or whatever. He may when they've already been already been processed. And he's finally actually just worked his way up to that level. Well, it just, it just seemed like he would have been in the way sort of Tim McKerney's character sort of put it across. I was them Halpin um, said that he he was that was his that was his business that was his side of the, the things to take the, the conversion. I, I just got the impression that he, he'd been doing it for a long time, yeah. and he and he sort of finally got close to um, to to the to the big to that you know warehouse um, fifteen or whatever it was. Yeah. So it, it just it, it, there's just a lot of things that didn't quite fit with his character for me, as you say, the whole thing about the um, with the field being turned down. Yeah, um, yeah, that was just. Yeah, they say it, it didn't seem to be. Actually, no, it probably was thought out well. It's just the fact he, he Keith Tim was asked to put it into forty five minutes. Yeah, there probably was a hell of a lot more there. Yeah, I think there was a good story there. Yeah, and one that could have been developed quite well. I mean, and actually, again, it's slightly on. Also, talking about slightly over the top, David Tennant's character, the Doctor, David Tennant's Doctor, getting as angry and shouty as he does in this. Yeah, was again, there was, yeah, there was a lot of teeth grinding in this episode, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, one hell of a lot of which, teeth. <laughs> which talking, going back and saying about how you could have imagined the third Doctor dealing with this, and it would have been. All very calm and measured, and very disapprovingly. Yeah, <laughs> rather rather than 
you, yeah, you, you, you need that sort of Pertwee. Shouty and angry. Yeah, you, you need, um, as you say, it's a good story for Pertwee, and you needed that sort of response that he gave to the controller in Day of the Daleks. Yes. You, you want that, that, that indignation and disgust. Yeah. I think would have, it would have worked better. Yeah. I mean, because the person who actually did that, the character who actually did that was Donna. Now, the, the, I was going to say she was one of the, the better things about this episode for me. Yeah. And again, it it was still slowly moving the character forward. Yeah. You know, with, with her... I thought the scene with her when she didn't know what to do when she saw her first ode, and it was sort of outright sort of sort of disgust at its appearance. Yeah. Um, To sort of just the doctor saying, no, don't be frightened, just come, just come and help me. You know, which I thought was really... And she just got... That, that was sort of... And said saying to her, it's a he, not an it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just thought it was, it was a good way of bringing. And, and again, it was so well done. It sort of brought the character forward again. She, it was that no nonsense approach that Donna's got. It was sort of like, well, well, yeah. you know, she just sort of got on with it after that. And, um, and it, and again, it was sort of her that thing where she said, you know, all the things I thought your life's gonna be so exciting. You know, in the TARDIS, is I just want to go home. She yeah. was just so sort of appalled by what she saw. Which, I, which yeah. I thought was a nice little character note. I really did. Yeah, and I thought her reaction was, was would have been better if the Doctor had had a similar reaction rather than got... You c- couldn't understand why he was all shouty and yet she was just, uh, you know, appalled. Mm. Yeah. Was, yeah, she was appalled enough to, to obviously to want to do something, you know, something about it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. I know the doctor. He, he did reference the fact that he he couldn't save them before, and he said because he just didn't have he didn't have time. He never thought about the fact they they were being sold into slavery. Yeah. Even though they did actually make a big thing about that in um, the Impossible Planet and the Same Pit. Yeah. Because that's they, something that's something that's well, yeah, but that's something Rose picked up on, wasn't it? They were just sort of they were basically slaves. Yeah. Okay, this this was sort of you know I suppose you say finishing that that particular story off, but it's, I think it's a difficult story to actually talk about this one. <laughs> this is bad news for us doing a podcast. No. It is, yeah. Oh. I, I I I don't really know what to say about this one apart from what we what we just really sort of covered. Yeah, again, again, the better scenes I think were were the quieter scenes with the the Doctor and Donna together. Mm. Um, the scene where they go and. She, it, when they find the unprocessed dude, yeah, that in that the was, warehouse. I mean, yeah. that was a good scene up until the point where then the guards break in and he gets all gets all shouty again. Yes, yeah, yeah. It wasn't as I say. There, there were there were sort of good, um, good moments, but that was it really. I, I think compared to the previous two episodes, which I quite enjoyed watching, um, I, I didn't get that same. Sort of feeling with this one, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I actually, I did quite enjoy it. I just there were certain little bits of it that you just thought mm, didn't could have would have done that differently. And mm. just yeah, just if if I think the person again who comes, out, did I say the person again who comes out of this the best is Donna again. What shows what a good companion she is. Oh yeah, I mean she's these she's the best thing in it. Yeah, and I never thought I'd ever hear myself say that about Catherine Tate. <laughs> yeah, never. But um, these few episodes, so this series so far, um, I know we 
you know, seen them all before and everything, but um, it's she's still the best thing in it. Yeah, but uh, and I mean, as well as 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 that's the going on, still staying reasonably strong to to the characteristics of her, like the, the opening scene of her going back to put a warm coat on. Mm. This was just so that character. It was, it was just Donna, really, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Would be the first reaction. So <laughs> it's cold. I'm going back to get a coat. <laughs> yeah, while the um, doctor was being all pompous and giving his his speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's gone knit, knit back inside to get a warm coat. Yeah, that that you're right. That is that is that is just Donna, isn't it? So, and I like the, I like the bit where after the crane scene where she's been locked in the um, crate thing, and she's shouting to let him out, and he says, "You better let her out, guys. Not because your boss, not because what your boss will do, but what what she will do." do. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do like the sort of, that that sort of um, that sort of aspect of her. She sort of you know. Um, She'll give you more hell than, yeah, than the worst villain possible. But, yeah, but yeah, I'd, it's. But I'd say that was probably the only thing I could sort of get really sort of excited about was 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 um, Donna Noble in this particular story. It wasn't really anything really for for me. This story, um, there's there was a serious message there about slavery, as we've already said. But I think it just dealt with far too quickly. Yeah, it just they just concentrate it's too much concentration on the action scenes, and not enough on what the story was. Yeah, well, if you think about it, with the whole thing where they uh, bluff their way in, yeah, um, as you know, as, the, you know, as part of the the noble corporation, that would have taken up an entire episode at one time, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd have had a, a lot more backstory as to um, how the ood were found and. How how the slavery was really built up, wouldn't you? In a in a previous, you know, if it's been a classic, yeah, you would you would have got a lot more episode. Yeah, it's funny seeing that as Doctor Who's quite, especially when it since it's come back, it's been pretty big on exposition in certain episodes, just to fit it into a forty five minute format or fifty minute format. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of exposition in this, was there? To be honest, no, the, the only backstory you get to anything is the fact that. Obviously, it was his father's. It's been his family's business. Mm. Yeah, and that was about all the. That was it, really, was it? that was all the expo- exposition and backstory you got. Yeah, for that. Um, but I, I still, I think for me, it was just a little bit of um, an uneven episode. Um, mainly from the point of view, it just seemed to be very, very um, rushed. That the story was seemed to be cut down quite a bit. Um, the action scenes looked, to my untrained eye, a little bit under-rehearsed. The whole thing, to me, just seems to be done in a bit of a rush. I don't know if that's fair or not. Maybe you're going to be the voice of reason now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean by that. I don't, But you don't see, can't understand why, because there was obviously in a... It wasn't as if you could un- you could understand if they was filming in a city street or something where you might think, oh, they've only got so much time there. Yeah, that's right. But you'd have thought they probably wasn't under such a time restriction on lo- on the location they had because it was a disused cement factory or something, wasn't it? Uh, that's right, it was, yeah. Um, and they also filmed at REF, REF? R-A-F, uh, St. Athen as well. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, just, so it wasn't as if they had to get away before the public was allowed back. No, that's right. 
you know, some of the other uh, episodes where they're filming in public places, you can understand that they might have quite rushed scenes because they've obviously only got a limited amount of time and if perhaps they've had delays earlier on they've could, got to get it done this time yeah sort of could thing. have done I know um, so, you know certain things you know, they always say you know time is money and everything and, yeah. and, and maybe they were losing daylight in certain scenes they had to get it done quickly didn't they? couldn't have time to reshoot again I, you know I, you don't know do you no um whether that whether that was actually mentioned on the the, the episode of Confidential that accompanied this uh, particular episode, I couldn't tell because I haven't watched it since. <laughs> no, I haven't. No. Um, but yeah, that that was pretty much it. Okay, that you had um, you had sort of like, there was a few callbacks to previous stories. Obviously, you've got the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pet, and also the Sensorites as well. Yeah, with the mention of the Sense Sphere. Um, they must think must admit I haven't seen. Um, the sensor rights for God knows how many years now. I still haven't got it on DVD yet. No, never have I. Nah, so I, I don't know if there, if there is uh, any similar similarities between viewed and the and the sensor rights. I've got absolutely no idea. I know not in appearance, definitely, but God knows, absolutely God knows. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but it does appear to be quite a um, a, a popular story. This one. Yeah, I must admit, I was actually quite looking forward to watching it again. Well, the thing was, having not, I haven't seen it since it it had been transmitted before I watched it. Well, it always seems to be—it always seems to be an episode that I do always seem to catch when it's on um, watch. Well, I think it's, it's watch, isn't it? When they repeat yeah. Doctor Who, it's always this one, or right. or as as they um, as we, we we briefly spoke about yesterday. Um, they had some, sort of the Christmas specials on watch yesterday, and it was, as usual, uh, the bloody Colin and Oak one, Voyage of the Damned, Planet of the Dead, and the only one worth watching, Waters of Mars. Yeah. And they always seem to show the same episodes for some bizarre reason. And it always seems to be that, like the, those first two Christmas specials or Planet of the Ood. I always seem to catch them for... <laughs> It's like they're just repeating just for just to annoy me. <laughs> well, I have to say no, I haven't. I haven't had that pleasure. What of annoying me? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I've had that pleasure. <laughs> um, no, it, but, it, yeah. Seeing this, so, so I was quite looking forward to it. And it, it was okay. I, I mean, like I said, I did quite enjoy it. I wouldn't be bothered about seeing it again. Yeah. Um, it's not one of the episodes that we've had recently, which I'm quite glad I've never, I've never had to watch it again. So no, I quite, I quite enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I think there's a good story there. Yeah, whether it, whether it, there were certain bits of it you'd thought would like to have seen that done better. Yeah, I mean whether it would have panned out to a, a longer. Yes, I could see it being. It, it would have worked. I could have seen it in one of the as a as a classic series episode. Mm. Um, in say four parts or whatever. But whether nowadays it would have. They'd have done it as a two-parter. Even if they'd done it as a two-parter, would it have worked? I suspect probably not, just because the the characters nowadays aren't written to be that that way. Well, some would argue they weren't written to be that way back in the old days either, because there, there was a hell of a lot of padding in certain stories, weren't there? But um, yeah, I think this this probably deserved a little bit more time. I really do yeah. this one. Um, I think. 
Another character that probably needed a bit more sort of time spinning was the Solana, the PR girl character, yeah. um, who was quite sort of quite sort of surprised really when I watched it that she gave the Doctor and Donna away when she escaped with them. Yeah, she had that. It was almost it was almost like the justifying that she gets killed as well. Yeah, was the fact that she had a chance to be to 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 help and save the Ud. I think it probably might have worked a bit better if she had have helped. The, well, she did sort of help the Doctor and Donna, but the, but then gave them away at the same time. So it was almost like, yeah. well, she I, she made a decision. Yeah, I have helped and you, then but paid I'm not for a decision. Yeah, it's well, it wasn't that. It, it was that, uh, and the fact well, she wasn't going to completely betray the Doctor and, and, and Donna or the company either. Yeah, she helped both in that situation, and then. She just wanted to be one it. of the people. She'd wanted to be somebody who just didn't ask questions and yeah, turned a blind eye to job. it. Yeah. she didn't want to be. Well, actually, once he confronted her with it, she just—that's when she basically turned against him, almost as if to say, "Don't, don't make me do this. Mm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to to have to acknowledge what I'm doing is wrong." No, the she just wants to herd. New reps in and and yeah. hand out the sales brochures and that's all that was her that was her input yeah. that's all she wanted to do so yeah. yeah I mean it was quite you know I thought that that was a shame it, it, they didn't spend a bit more time on her character um but they say that that's that's the perils of the forty five minute format isn't it yeah you know you you have to sort of keep keep it going so you have to lose probably sort of like a bit more character development. Yeah, I mean that, that that is that is what you don't get with with these episodes, isn't it? Is that's what I was saying about yeah. the characters aren't written that way. No, it, all, everything about them is off camera. Yeah, and even even in the two parts you've had of the the new series, you still don't really get that character development in that. You just get more complicated stories. Mm. No, you're right. Actually, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um... They, a lot of the well, well the next one we're, we're we're sort of doing it's it's a it's a two part story, isn't it? Yeah. So the next the next one in in the uh, in the line, but uh, yeah, it's they don't seem to quite know how to do the two part story. It's no. it's almost if they're written as two single stories. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, you, a lot of the times part two is almost a different story to part one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it also, it's also it's written by a completely different person. Yeah. But maybe in this instance, it might not have been that way because he did uh, Keith Simmer did write it as a six-part serial, more or less. Yeah. So maybe maybe there could have been a bit more there. But you don't know. You say you don't know what Rusty Davis trimmed out of the story, do you? No. No, it may well have been cut down because it wasn't any good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> um. Who knows? Not not not, knows? not wanting to make any comment on no, that's it. On I, the writing, I, John, on a, on a different note, going back to the uh, the actress who played um, Solana Aisha um, Darker, I was trying to figure out where the hell I've seen her before. Yeah, and apparently she's a, a Bollywood actress, but I've never seen her in. I've never watched any um, sort of Bollywood films. But I was just like, where the hell have I seen her before? So I looked I looked her up on uh, Google Day, and I said, like, ah, that's it. She was in. Um, Attack of the Clones. She was the next queen after. Oh queen, right, yeah, she was Queen uh, Jamila. 
Right. And she was only in it for like a couple of scenes, wasn't she? Yeah. And underneath all that uh, makeup and everything. But uh, yeah, I just thought, I thought that was really bugging me where I've seen her before. I thought, oh, crikey, and she was, it was Star Wars. So, <laughs> so that's, that's uh, sort of another little mystery solved for me. Not as good as the, not as good as the mystery that Tom was trying to solve in that bottle of wasabi peanuts last night, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Well, I, 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 I haven't really got much more to say, really. Um, well, actually, we haven't really discussed um, Tim McKinney that much, have we? No, his character. We said it was, it was a bit over the top. He's a little bit sort of pantomime, but I thought he was just the right, just the right side of it. Yeah, I think I think his his acting was good. I think the character was written a bit too much, broad strokes, as they say. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think what he did with what he was given was very good. Yeah, he, he was a uh, um, well. He, he apparently he's Rusty Davis considered the um, he reckoned the character was like a middle manager who was out of his depth. But I wouldn't say he was out of his depth. He seemed pretty much to he seemed to know pretty much what to do. Yeah, you know, it's keeping keeping everything quiet, keep it hushed up. Don't alarm any of the, don't alarm the visitors because it will ruin, it will harm business, etc., yeah, no etc. Et yeah, right stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and then his solutions to it were pretty much fought out from that. If you're taking it from a purely business point of view, because mm. that, that that bit at the and end, he, he said he, he just go, he had a, I'll just go into another business, no, no livestock. Yeah. You know, um, which I thought was <laughs> he was he was just a, a yeah, good, I mean, good I mean, slimy I mean, character, really. But I mean, and if you turn to the comparisons with the, as they said, with foot and mouth and that, and mm. if you looked at them as purely as livestock, mm. then actually you could almost see there was a a logic to what they was do- what he was doing, well, he what was he was ordering. Do. Yeah, yeah. If if you took out the fact that had this been had they been sheep or cows, would there have been any more outrage? Well, I think there's there's probably a, a hell of a lot of things going on here. Then, if if you sort of uh, sort of compare to sort of sheep or, or cows or whatever, um, but you you got the whole thing of sort of um, you got the slavery side of things, yeah, because they're um, sort of the Uda meant to be like a sentient, a sentient passive. Um, race who have just yeah. been sort of and because of that they've just been sort of turned into slaves but then you've also got the other thing when you say when you bring the, sheep, like the aspect of sheep and cows as well it's that whole thing of um, is meat murder yeah and whatever and yeah is, so if you if when you get something like foot and mouth which also actually to a certain extent and some other stuff that can be done that's, that happened through um, I think what was it the the mad cow disease was to do with the conditions and the food and all that wasn't it the food chain and all that yeah is this are are we right to to treat any, anything like that exactly like yeah that? It, it was it opened up a whole there's a whole sort of raft of arguments <laughs> yeah this just actually now we're talking about it there's, there's quite a few other arguments this story actually sort of highlighted. Yeah, you say it's not just the slavery aspect of things; it's the whole sort of farming, yes, side of things as well. Yeah. Um, what should I say? Which needed more time hmm. to, to to be discussed. There's even really, there's in even, the story. Yeah, there's even things about 
when they're talking about killing this batch and going back to the breeding pens. Mm. So it is very much farming, isn't it? It is, very much so. Um, but also the, the method of sort of quarantine and, as you say, destroying that batch, which yeah. he, he likens to the, as you say, the foot and mouth yeah. epidemics of old and, and, and the solution to it. Again, yeah. there's a lot of um, sort of argument against that particular method as yeah. well. Um, why, why, you know, why kill off an entire possibly healthy um, group of animals? Yeah. Just on the off chance they might have foot and mouth. Yeah, because there's a suspicion. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, yeah the, the, that's that's why I think it needed more time. Yeah, they could have gone into it and it, need, it needed a lot more dialogue moments and, and less action moments. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, I think it goes back to what you're saying. Maybe Graham Harper wasn't the best director for this particular story. Yeah, and that's not, that is definitely nothing against Graham Harper. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Some of the the best who has been directed by him. Oh Christ, yeah. But it's just a question of keeping on animal front horses for courses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure that it, it, I think it could have been done better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I like it, but I think it could have been, it could have been done better, and perhaps that's the the thing that's that, that is there that's with it is the fact that you know it could have been done better. Yeah, you're right. It's that I think this is why I'm I'm a little bit nonplussed about it. This yeah. particular story because it just it just seemed a little bit. Um, as I said before, it was rushed. Yeah. You know, I know sort of I sound like a bit like a stuck record, but I, I just I just that's what I feel about it. It, it just needed. A bit more room to sort of tell the story, as you yeah, say, ra- ra- rather than rushing through to the next action scene. Yeah, some of which were unnecessary, like the crane scene. Yeah, but oh well, there you go. It, it is what it is, um, and I'm not. I, so I don't. I don't. Um, I don't dislike it as such. It's just not one I, I would rush to watch again. No, it's it's, it's it's a good idea, but it's just yeah, yeah. A bit undercooked. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, so do you reckon we're done on this one then? I think so. I think so. Okie dokie. Right, well, next week then, um, we'll be looking at the Sontaran Stratagem, um, written by Helen Rayner, who <laughs> who coming for a lot of stick before. Well, we haven't actually reviewed that one yet either, which is Daleks in Manhattan. Yes. We haven't done that one yet. Um, so, as I say, we're working backwards. So, um, hmm. well, well, we'll discuss that one next week. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so we'll discuss why two-parters are so good. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> okay, then, folks. So, until next week, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show, 
please drop us an email at feedback at whos-he.co.uk and please also visit our website, which is at www.whos-he.co.uk and you can also follow us on Twitter at whos underscore he underscore podcast.